and men writhing on top of each other, <laughs> all wet and muddy. Casey was watching a very different film. Did you get so bored watching this that you turned it off and switched to gay porn? Is that why you enjoyed it? Uh, no, I mean, I was still, I can run those two programs at the same time. (laughs) Casey's got a filter in my brain. Multi monitors, Case or Dave. (laughs) Left eye, right eye. What's going on? What would make it better? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) What would make it better? There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. Matter up. We are three film masochists who love to take on the worst movies we can find. Centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay and I'm joined by Dave. Hello. And Casey. Bobby. Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. Dave, what's this month's theme? This month, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks, because we are going out to the sports ball game. (laughs) Uh, We're watching watching a movie about any sporting event you can desire and a whole lot that you absolutely would not. Last week, I graced all of us with the wonderful film, Ed. No. No. (laughs) Some would... Some no. would say heartwarming. Uh, uh, uh. Fight or flight inducing. Anyway, we've all had our turn bringing something to the plate, so we're on to a round robin now. Just kind of grab bag. Uh, Casey, what did we end up picking out to watch this week? Much to your distaste, I came up with 1996's The Fan, starring Robert, <laughs> a.k.a. Bob fucking De Niro, Wesley Snipes, John Leguizamo, Benicio Del Toro, Ellen Barkin. Woo, woo. It has a hell of a cast. Yes, it does. It can back that cast up. All right. I I will start ranting about the fans soon enough, as well as my conspiracy theories about Bobby De Niro in this film. But before we go ahead of ourselves, <laughs> oh. Casey, you need to give us an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in 10 seconds or less. Here's your setup. Uh, You need to make a quick buck, so you have decided that you're going to sell some mm, less-than-legit merchandise outside of the local baseball stadium. Just, you know, you're trying to make a quick buck, and you know how much they charge for jerseys. Inside, what does it matter if these say 12 instead of 11? However, an overly enthusiastic fan takes offense to this and thinks that you're actually hexing his favorite player by selling this merchandise with the wrong name and the wrong number on it. So, in the 10 seconds before he comes at you, Sell us on this movie. Bob fucking De Niro brings the angst and pain of death of a salesman over a Nine Inch Nails soundtrack while he pines after Blade. Seven seconds. Wow. Nine Inch Nails, really. I like that. Yeah. Death of a salesman pines over Blade. It's it's really poetic, Casey. I didn't really see. Oh, it's death of a salesman with a Nine Inch Nails soundtrack. There were three. Nine Inch Nails. I thought it was the same song, but different parts. I was like, yeah, I don't really know the words in this part. <laughs> and turns out it was three different ones. Industrial rock all sounds the same. Oh, you're going to get us canceled. To completely make sense of Casey's elevator pitch, let's go over the movie that shitty cinema watched. 
The front half of the fan is basically Wesley Snipes, Bobby Rayburn, and Benicio Del Toro's Primo squabbling over who gets to wear their favorite symbol, while Robert De Niro's Gil develops an unhealthy parasocial relationship to Bobby. Allow us to explain. De Niro's Gil is the main character of the fan. A working class knife salesman. You know, the kind of guy with strong opinions and a, shall we say, traditional attitude. Gil's having trouble in life because of his many problems. Like, one problem is that Gil is a dick to his client, and that gets him fired. And then another problem is that Gil is a dick to his kid, which causes the courts to remove his rights to see his kid. Those are kind of the same problems. Gil's <laughs> just a dick to, like, everybody around him. And people keep going, hey, you shouldn't be around these people. Yeah, also, it's 1996. They wouldn't take your kid away for being a dick to it. Right, I mean, straight up abandoning your kid. Well, 1996. It's 1996. Well, it was okay. 1996. Hey, yes. you, you called, you showed up to the summons. You're a good guy. I guess. <laughs> it is not to go off topic too early, but like it is weird that like leaving your kid at the baseball field versus just like leaving at, for like 45 minutes versus at home for like hours, <laughs> hours, hours and hours, especially with there's a compelling case to be made of like, look, I knew at least that old bitch was going to be watching him. So like, what's the right. problem? As well as he made it back well before the game was over. I could should have been at that fucking game and pay good money for those seats. At that age, that would have been my preferred way to take in a ball game, personally. Among Gil's other healthy habits is an obsession with the San Francisco Giants, especially the new star player, Bobby Rayburn. While Bobby's having an inner office dispute with another player, Primo, about who gets to wear the number 11, Gil gets himself personally invested in Bobby's plight. The drama gets turned up to 11 when Primo runs into Bobby, injuring the star's ribs on the field. But Bobby, in the fan, he pretends like he's okay, which I'm not strong enough to do. But appropriately, he plays like shit instead because this shit is terrible. Don't criticize him. He still played baseball better than you at sure. your healthiest. Yeah. The game that he gets injured in, he still hits a fucking grand slam. He does. Like, he fucking he kills does. it that game. He's shit for, like, the next half of the season. Meanwhile, Primo, who had lost his center field position to Bobby, turns into a star. He's just... Hitting, catching, and and Gil learns about the squabble and does what any rational person who thinks a popular figure is sending a messages to them does. He interprets the squabble with Primo as something that Gil should try to solve. Right. I, obviously, celebrities are asking you personally to assist them with their life problems through the television slash radio. Man, I wish I could win an Academy Award means you should shoot everyone and every show <laughs> nominated until right. that's the only right. show they can nominate. Right. To be fair to Gil, Bobby does make the suggestion on the phone, but it, it's obviously in a like, hey, thanks for being a fan, buddy, sort of way. Gil, however, takes this to be advocating that he should be putting his knife salesman tricks to work in Primo's femoral artery. At this point, the fan has clearly transitioned from Gil's parasocial relationship with Bobby to just full-on stalker creep extraordinaire. However, the fact that this takes half the film sucks all air out of the following series of events. It's just, it's not going to work. Gil kidnaps Bobby's kid and makes some ridiculous ransom demands. Of course, the audience saw this all coming. Gil's just the poster child for impotent rage kettle about to boil over. All he wanted was to be on Good Friends Serial with Bobby fucking Rayburn, and he didn't get it. And I get his frustration. 
All I wanted was for Michael Jordan to sell a shoe with me. Right. I don't understand why this is so difficult. There's another weird play on luck to set up the kidnapping, too. Like, Bobby's son begins drowning, and Gil, who just so happens to be creeping on their house at the time, is the first in the water to save his kid. So, and, you know, right, Bobby shows deference to him. He's, he's respectful for him saving his kid. And so the encounter gets increasingly more weird until Gil goes full mask off to Bobby, who handles it coolly. He's cool about it. But somehow, while leaving, Gil takes both his kid and his Hummer and also his fucking dog. The dog really was the most upsetting part about the whole thing. Don't endanger the dog, man. Oh, my God. We watched the end of this movie separately, and I screamed. I was like, does the fucking dog die? And you forgot to tell me. He's like, no, 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 no. Nothing happened to the dog. Spoiler. Good spoiler. Nothing happens to the dog. (laughs) Spoiler. The dog orchestrated everything. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. The whole thing. The dog is going to be the new center fielder. This is Airbud. Wow! Airbud just got lit. This is the Airbud prequel. Right, right. After Wesley Snipes' way kid in. dies, he Strike gives up the of dog. Light. Robert De Niro gets put in a black lab puppy and he's playing center field tomorrow. Second chances. Wait, uh, is so it's like a Chucky knockoff but with baseball? gonna learn a lesson he's gonna turn it around he's a good guy you know he's trying Gil takes the kid to his old catcher that he never shuts up about throughout the entire movie and puts up a top-notch what-the-fuck ransom he wants Bobby to hit a home run at tomorrow's game and put a picture of Gil on the big screen and then just like you know say nice things about him The picture's a Polaroid. I just I just have to mention that he just has like a Polaroid that he wants him to put up on the big screen. I, In 1996. Right. Whatever. So the next day comes, and at the very end, Bobby hits an infield home run, only to be called out in an obviously bad call by the umpire. Because the umpire, Dave, is Gil. Somehow. In the rain, the two of them scuffle until a metric boat fuck ton of cops arrive and shoot Gil dead before he can throw a knife into Bobby. Bobby. Hey, they set up that Bobby Rayburn was gonna hit a knife with a bat and either kill Gil or like catch it and then beat him with it. Right? I would have forgiven everything. Everything. I would have forgiven everything. I saw that like a legitimate like like this is the dumbest yeah. fucking thing ever. But if you do it it doesn't even have to be good. It just has to if be good enough. You can pull it off, you crazy son of a bitch. Right there, that says. I can't read any right. of that. Throws the knife, Bobby hits it. Why not? Right? Why not? Oh my it God. It hits the hilt, it bounces off, and just throats him. Here's another one knife goes tumbling. And he hits it with the bat, only it's the sharp end so that it digs in. And then he releases mm-hmm. the bat and that flies into him and fucking kills him. Or he goes over, he marches over with the bat with the knife in it. And he beats the fuck out of him. With oh, it. yeah. No, the, the knife goes through the bat. 
so it's yeah. sticking out yeah. the other yeah. side. Like, you know, yeah, there you go. Nails through it, and then he can swing that in. Yeah, now it's both a bludgeoning and a piercing weapon. Right. That's what I was waiting for. Not to like get too ahead, but the cops absolutely shot some other people in that sequence. Right. And everything that we're shown, they are encircled around him, like they hit each other. This was not a good scenario for you all to be unloading. You remember that post office van that somebody stole? Oh, yeah. It was that situation. Right. So if you think about Gil, there's really no point at which they make him terribly likable, in my opinion. Because even... Wrong. Oh. Well... I disagree. I would love to hear where you thought Gil was likable. Because I hated him so much. Hard working at his job. No, he's, he's, he's trying. Terrible. He's putting in the work. Hold on. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. 90% of life is showing up, and he's doing that 90%. He just he's doesn't late. have that 10% charisma or, like, a smaller amygdala. So that's not his fault. Number two. Hold on, I forgot. Oh, oh, my God. Being in a car with him is great. That was my favorite part of the movie is him in the car. There's nothing better when you're fucking trashed and your your DD is just going on telling you a story you've heard for the 10,000th time because it's good. You can play along. And they're singing Shattered by Rolling Stones. And he doesn't know the words just like you because you're super fucking drunk. <laughs> I, oh my God, I want to go on a fucking road trip with him and just listen to the same 10 songs and never learn the words. The story that your DD is telling you that you've heard a million times before is him lying to his child about knowing Mick Jagger personally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that's what you, that's why you become a parent is so you have someone you can legally lie to (laughs) and then be like, I'm, it made you better. Listen, can I say why, why I think he's unlikable? Please do. I mean, yes. It does. He have unlikable the, qualities. The things does he were do shown ugly in the film? things? Is that your yes. argument? So we you all said, do you ugly that, things. No, no, no. Hold on. You said that he's a good salesman. I totally no, I disagree. didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. What did you say? I said he's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. There's a big difference. He fixates. I wouldn't say that that necessarily means that it's a hard work. Yeah, he, we are not shown that he is a hard worker. We no. are shown that he criticizes the quality of his company's product somewhat fairly from what we're somewhat fairly yeah. from what we see from the reaction of his bosses who, you know, want him to sell the product they have and not complain that they're not selling a higher quality one. But other than that, he's consistently late to his appointments and he cusses out his clients. Bro, you got to play the game and talk the talk. I'm I'm not going to say you're hardworking when you are screaming at your client's secretary and slamming shit down on her desk. No, yeah, no, I no. Don't. Listen. Okay, hold on. Let's let's give some context for that. He's not just showing up methed out and flipping out. It is implied he is called, he has showed up. She keeps giving him the runaround because no. that's what the boss is telling her. No, it is he was late implied. one of the time. He was late. Both of the times. Actually, 11 pretty minutes. Much every appointment we show that he is at, he's late to time out he's 11 minutes late in 1996 sure yes does he have a cell phone but most people don't sure i'm just saying 
I know the type of people, some of them, that are the if you were ten minutes late, that would be a total right. Yeah, you don't you don't get Absolutely, but I'm saying and, Gil, it's not like he's just sitting in his apartment the whole time. He's going out chasing the leads. Sure. I'm saying why he's not likable. He's not shown, in my opinion, to be a good dependable worker. And when he does have interactions, he tends to be fucking terrible at them, both with his boss and his entire fucking staff and his clients. I said both, and I gave three examples. Yeah, working with people will do that for sure. you. Yes, 100%, but like... Working sales, working sales will do that to you. Not everybody's meant for a lifetime of it. If we all would have stayed in sales, we all would have become Gil. And that's supposed to be the closest thing to like a justification we have for why Gil is the way that he is in this modern world. But other than that, yeah, he's a dick to his clients. He has a son that is used purely for the purpose of making him look absolutely awful. Awful. He serves no purpose in the film other than to just take abuse that we as the audience get to watch. Yeah. I mean, he still wants to be around his kid. So, I mean, it at least... Does he? At yes. Least there's but, yes. It's implied, though, that the relationship is not healthy. And it's just Gil forcing his opinions and feelings on his child. And so... Isn't that what parenthood is about? Well... It's doing it in an especially unhealthy way. Like, I don't think that they ever motivate Gil's... They try to do a whole lot of stuff that, like, oh, people that do this are people that you like, but not this particular one the way he does it. And that's the problem. Okay, but at least... Okay, let me... In defense, at least he, like, knows his kids. He got the wrong topping because kids are finicky, but he got his... He got pizza from his kid's favorite place. Got in the soda. He knows. You know what I mean? He's trying to buy his love. Yes, because he fucked up. It's a love language. It's a love language. We do see uh, Bobby De Niro going to his son's Little League game and yelling at the coach for not giving him easy enough pitches. But that doesn't really That's my mom. Yeah. (laughs) My mom. My Okay. Quick story aside. My mom coached my soccer league in second grade and that was the last year i played soccer i don't see your mother why? as a good soccer coach no not at all i couldn't see her doing that why why did you quit how do you think my mom reacted when i got fucking bulldozed by a girl like two and a half times my size Oh, you think she was sane and rational about it and calm and like, hey, maybe we should be careful. You guys definitely definitely cool as a cucumber. I (sighs) time out. This is when my mom was on like diet pills. (laughs) Like, let me just add that multiplier. Was it was it like an explosion? Would you would you call it more like Vesuvius or. Is it more like a rolling thunder or more like a, a monsoon? A monsoon? I see. This can't make it out on the air. But if you think my mom won't body shame a second grader <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to defense of her own child, That's you're fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you didn't believe in Robert De Niro's character's mania of a 
a deranged former little league player. How did you like his performance overall, Dave? Oh, his, his performance was fantastic. Robert De Niro is an incredible Good. actor. I completely Always. bought his performance of the character. I was just angry about the movie's poor justification of it. But he plays it so goddamn well that like there are parts at the beginning of this film when they're establishing sort of the the boundaries of his mania and how terrible he is to those around him that I find difficult to watch because he's just really goddamn good at selling what a bad person he is. Yeah. Uh well okay if they wanted to keep him like sympathetic he should have just killed his boss. Yeah that would have been a lot better. Then I'd be like yeah that guy deserved it. You know what I mean? That guy was a mm. dick. Was he really? I don't. I yeah. Don't. He was a, a post yuppie dickhead. I mean, he's a douchebag. Absolutely. But he's also a fairly decent employer as far as sales jobs go. He's really decent. Because he. <laughs> no, in okay. comparison. He's not decent. He's in. He's decent in comparison. Right. Right. As far as sales jobs go. Yes. Yes. yes right. Yes. Which is a super low par. I'm I'm going to actually agree with both of you here and I'm going to attempt to build a bridge okay. because right. the movie absolutely portrays him as being an unjustifiable dick. And he definitely is because, you know, we get a lot of these establishing shots about how Robert De Niro is from the family that founded this knife company and cares a lot about, you know, the quality and integrity of their product. And his boss, who is, you know, part of the consortium that now owns them. Um, you know, wants him pushing these like newer, cheaper products that they make that are of lower quality. So we're supposed to kind of sympathize with Robert as the, you know, the old guard being pushed out by these new cheap, <laughs> you know, shittier products. Right. And that, you know, so the movie wants us to think he's bad. And I agree with you, Jay, because in the realities of having a sales job, he's a pretty OK district manager type. Right, right. He's right. very clear in his expectations for you. And he goes to bat for Bob in part because of his relationship to the company. Right. So I, uh, having had sales jobs, yeah, he would not have been the worst sales manager I ever had. No. I've but absolutely had worse managers, unfortunately. But if I'm having a full chaotic break from reality and I'm going to go on a killing rampage... I'm going to start there okay. rather than I, I'm like not against that. go find Beyonce because she didn't return my voicemail. I left her in 1998. <laughs> Can I say, though, you know that, I mean? <laughs> that Bob's boss had my favorite scene in the movie of all? So Bob is, is complaining about the quality of the knives, right? And he's like, oh, they're half tang and cheap and, and poorly weighted, right? Blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> and his boss in a conference room with a bunch of people in it, their whole sales team, reaches down on the floor, pulls the door of a fucking car off the floor, slams it on the desk, takes a knife, and just jams holes into it, and then finishes it with, and this is the door off of a foreign car. I fucking loved it. I loved I... it. <laughs> he drives a foreign car, though. Yeah, that's not the point. He drives a German car. I'm sure that was a Japanese car, right? I absolutely I love that scene so fucking much and there's an implied backstory to that scene that is just fucking delicious because clearly Robert De Niro has been bitching about the quality of these knives for a while 
right? right. This is this right. is not a new argument they've had. And I love the idea of that guy in the back of his fucking, <laughs> you know, car because he doesn't drive himself. You know, he doesn't drive himself. I love the idea of him on the way to the office, like fucking quarterly sales meetings today. I'm get he's Robert's going to go. He's going to go on about it again. I'm going to have to hear about fucking Tang. <laughs> Right. I don't right. care about the fucking Tang. I'm competing with Chinese shit that is like zero Tang. They weld it on. I don't know what he wants. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Stop at the junkyard. Stop at the junkyard. <laughs> like, I need picture him getting in the elevator of their building with a car door slung over his shoulder. Coming to the meeting later? Uh, yes. I am fucking now, yes. I know, right? Wasn't on yeah. my calendar, but I'll find room. Okay, so would you say that Wesley Snipes acted in a believable way? No, but I would never say that he does, so it's oh, fine. Oh, really? I, I thought he was perfect. Yeah, I, I really thought like Wesley he Snipes. Had, every time I watched the movie, I'd notice like, other nuances in his act where I'm just like, he looks so natural. I forget that Wesley Snipes is actually a good actor because the movies of his <laughs> I've seen the most are Blade. Yeah, and that's... so I'm used to Blade Wesley Snipes, and I figure I'm like, oh, no, he's very talented. I guess I, I didn't have any issues with Wesley's performance in this at all. Um, the it, At the start of the movie, he's a little heavier on the, the like, arrogant ball player persona than i think i would have liked for the overall yet. tone yeah which i um, love him as. He, yeah, i think he, he just signed a malt like a, a 40, what, a 40 billion, billion or 40 million dollar year contract yeah, yeah I, I, i'd be fucking cocky as a mother like the phone conversation between him and the reporter is so good in my yeah, opinion that it, i do I do really enjoy that whole sequence. Uh, I think the the reporter is one of my favorite characters in this whole yeah. movie. Yes. Yes. And the She's combination awesome. of her with him works really, really well. It's a really fun scene. Um, but yeah, I especially from uh, the, the whole scene when Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes meet each other at Wesley's beach house. I love Wesley's performance throughout all yeah. of that. And yeah. kind of the rest of the movie from there on out, he he plays his role really well and it feels like, you know, he he's afraid for his son and he's he's great. I do what love about everything the titty from there. bar fist fight. <laughs> I mean when he starts having his fall where he after he's injured and he can't hit anymore, you start to see him doubt himself. Like it's again that braiding of baseball and skill and luck of after he lost his special little necklace. He's like, oh, no, and he got in his own fucking head and he couldn't get out. And I feel like he did a really yeah. good job of trying to keep it together and be confident, knowing that makes a difference, but also being a scared little boy inside because he lost his necklace. That's a really yeah. good point, Case. I didn't I didn't really think about that, but I think you're right. He does do a really good job of of showing that trauma. And and it actually makes sense with the way that he resolves his slump, because you're right that according to the movie, he's in his head too much. And the way that he gets out of his slump is by ceasing to care, right? Stopping to mm. obsess about the things that, that we're doing that, which, which has a lot of not just um, philosophical backing, but there's actually hard science that can defend the view that you, uh, you know, to, we, we often call it being in the zone. So it works really, really well, in my opinion. And I like the transformation of him, of him, of being in his head and coming out of it. And we see that of him 
uh, of Wesley Snipes at his beach house. He is out of his head. He's a man that's relaxed and comfortable with himself in a way that 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 anxiety kind of sits with him before. Man, that was, okay. that was a good Can we marry two Wesley Snipes movies? Yes. Of like the only time he's like feeling relaxed and comfortable with himself at his beach house is when he's in full drag, like in two Wong Fu, and he's oh. still lifting baseballs and like sequin dresses. I'm like, let him wear the sequins on the field. Yeah. And yeah. just like make this a better baseball film. Like he's got like a pinstripe ball gown with his letter or his little numbers on him. I'm entirely on board. I love it. Go on. Can we? All right. Instead of that, can we get Wesley Snipes' character from Demolition Man against Gil? Because that might be an interesting battle. Ooh. I also like that movie. Right. Right. And Snipes' character in Demolition Man is far more deranged. Wait a minute. John Leguizamo, who plays Uh Bobby's whatever hype man agent agent. now he's the violator you're welcome (laughs) his manager is the violator oh john leguizamo's in two wong fu as well wow they've worked together a lot i never really thought about that leguizamo just seems like the most pleasant human i i would always want to work with him i'm a huge john leguizamo fan i i love him i think he's a fantastic actor i even like him in the movie that he refuses to talk about it's a it's a pleasure of mine. I love the past. So I I think he's great in this too. I really, but then again, I love John Leguizamo and he just kind of talks and is him and I'm like, yay. I, he's absolutely hilarious, but he's also just a fantastic fucking actor. I agree. I, he is. The, the amount of weight that he's able to put. I, dude, I, John Wick, the phone call with, uh, I, I heard you struck my son. Yeah. Leguizamo sells that scene so fucking well that... <clears throat> Dude is just class A. Love him. Oh, my God. I don't know why this made me think of it, but at the very end of the movie, after the fight, when they're like, oh, my God, Robert De Niro has a whole creepy office set up at the stadium in the sky. Or maybe it was at his house. Maybe the the SWAT team was breaking. Okay, because I couldn't really tell. Yeah, you're Um, right. But they do the thing that every drama does of like when someone's obsessed with something they have a whole room filled with that thing hanging from the ceiling at different night at different lengths (laughs) kind of like i know who killed me with all the like glass shit or the 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 mannequin parts well robert de niro's was baseball hats and i was like no one stores hats like that (laughs) i promise you they don't it it was very clear that they wanted a certain shot Right of yes. like the serial yes. killer den, yeah. But like, yeah. Seven did a lot of work to justify that shit, and you have not done that right. here, right? No, right. no, no. This was like Jay mentioned earlier, shot fucking music video. And if we're gonna talk about that, we need to talk about that. There was nine thousand nine inch nail song on this <laughs> soundtrack. Of I don't I don't want to hear yeah. how Trent Reznor yeah. is gonna fuck me like an animal, while Robert De Niro is <laughs> no. knifing cockroaches on the wall, while no. rabbis with their chihuahuas are just trying to walk by. What was that? I don't I don't understand I don't why know. the rabbi with the chihuahua like I don't. It have felt it like Mad it. Libs. I should, right. It felt it felt like fucking Mad Lib <laughs> writing. So Bob is gonna be in his 
apartment and throwing a knife through the door. Big and guy, uh, who's going to be walking by? Little a dog. rabbi with a chihuahua. <laughs> what? A rabbi, a rabbi with a chihuahua walks into a motel and almost gets <laughs> knifed by Robert De Niro. Right, right. No, it's not a hate crime. It's a script. Yeah. You'll I, see. Yeah, I... <laughs> Nine Inch Nails and Robert De Niro are two very separate flavors that I do not want to see combined ever because it does not work for me. <laughs> I remember you bitching. No, I remember you bitching about the name of the Little League Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> stadium in yeah, the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and just being so upset specifically right. by that. Say sure. more, so James. This is San Francisco that we're in, California, right? And this is the stadium in the sky. So it's not like it's in. But it was San Francisco, Cambodia. Right. Yeah, I wanted to make clear. Right. San Francisco, Cambodia is where most of our listeners probably assumed that I was talking about. So I wanted to make clear for them. And I also want them to know that there are no, say, large mountains in San Francisco where you would put a stadium on it such that it would be a stadium in the sky, right? For example, if I was in Denver and I had a stadium, then it could be the stadium in the sky, right? They're a mile high. Yeah, that, that, makes right, right, right. that makes sense. So, Stadium in the Sky to me just sounds like a place that you send murdered children to. You write about, like, Little Angel in the Stadium in the Sky. That's, that's, they're gonna, that would have been Bobby's kid's murder obit in the newspaper. Whatever the, happened to Cousin Brian? Oh, he went to the Stadium in the Sky. <laughs> right, playing right. It is, it is unnecessarily on the nose. That's fucking for sure. Um... But but it's a kids. It's supposed to be a kids stadium, right. little league. Maybe it's, it's like kids that don't have a good chance of making it. <laughs> <laughs> Unlucky kids. This movie's deeper than it looks. So I will it ask you not. first, Dave. How deep would you go? Nineteen ninety six is the fan. Would you watch it again? You know, the first time we tried to record this, I said no, I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> no. And then we had to record again, and now we're trying to record again. So I've had to watch it again, and I'm furious that I did. No, I absolutely would not watch this again. There are some really solid performances here. Robert De Niro is a fantastic mm -hmm. actor. I he love is. John Leguizamo and everything he does. Yep. Everything. Wesley Snipes' fun here. Especially me. Uh, but just the front half of the movie is... When it's good, it's rough to watch, and the back half yeah. of the movie doesn't really match up. And just I, everything I've complained about here. No, it's not a good movie. I didn't have fun oh. watching this, other than that final fight scene in the re rain set to Darude Sandstorm, which they yes. didn't give me. I had to put in extra work. I have no desire to watch <laughs> any of this again. So no, welcome, I'm not going to watch it again. Jay, how about you? From 1996, we got a lot of great component pieces here with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro, but The Fan, would you watch it again? I do really love, Yeah, you mentioned a lot of great points, Dave. I do love Wesley Snipes, and there's the door scene, which is just fantastic, the music video that we get at the end, and the tone of the beginning of the movie, if you take out like the Gill storyline and you just focus on the Wesley Snipes storyline, I was really interested in. I would have followed the movie to be more about him having a slump and getting out of it and sure. being a more traditional sports movie, which is weird for me to say because I don't fucking like sports movies, and that's the part that I was interested in, and I don't really get an exploration of that. Instead, I get the disjointed horror that is the fan that I've been forced to watch now a bunch of times, and I don't want to. I said the same thing the first time and the second time, and I'm going to say it again. No, I'm hopefully not going to watch the fan again <laughs> as long as this recording fucking stays. So, no. 
no, I will not watch the fan again. But Casey, what about you? It's up to you. Dave and I said no, but you might be of a different opinion. 1996 is the fan. Would you watch it again? Looks like I'm going to have to sabotage this recording because I would watch this again. What? Oh my God. No way. I what? don't know why, but I know okay. there's a drinking game in there. Okay, and I will give what? you the first part of this movie. Robert De Niro is so uncomfortable. Like, really? And it also doesn't help that he looks like my stepdad. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, God. Mm-mm. Like, he's so pissed off. Like, my stepdad is not like that, but it was weird seeing him like that. So I really did not like that part. Well, once you get old Bobby in the car and at the baseball game, he's so merry and he's so happy and he loves throwing his little knives and he loves singing to stones and making up stories and shit. And he's a dedicated, not dad, but fan. So as long as you can get him to be a fan of yours, He's a really good guy. So, yeah, I would watch this again. And I'm not sorry about it. So that's the verdict. (laughs) One out of three of us. Well, three out of three if I learn how to, like, cancel this Craig recording or whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) Would watch this again. Oh, God. I'm sorry you guys don't appreciate art. But next week. We have a very special guest with a very special movie, Mr. Chase. You know him. You love him. And if you don't, now you do. He'll be bringing Angels in the Infield, which I thought they were mm. outfield. And which is then the I third learned there's... movie because the second one is a football movie. With the seventh heaven kid. Disgusting. So we'll just have to Disgusting. wait till next week to pray about it. In the meantime, follow us on all the shit. Facebook at sh.ttycinema, Instagram at casey.cinema, Patreon slash shittycinema, or shittycinema.com. Check the description if you didn't catch all that. So now let's turn off the lights, turn up the stones, and call our good friend Mick, who we know personally and did not once see at a public. Just, 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 just,